Weepa team is proud to bring you Weepa Waves, the sound waves of your career. And the F words, the taboo stops here. Let's tackle the tough issues together. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater. I am the founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. We believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. We give a voice to tough topics and break down any fear of being alone. Weefa Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, giving voice to our global community. Please also enjoy our newest addition to our podcast family, F-Words. We highlight the taboo topics and feature words like fertility, finance, facelift, and fillers. We're going to break down any tough issues that we might face together. Enjoy today's episode of Weefa Waves and F-Words. On today's episode of Weefa Waves, I am so happy to share that we have one of our beloved board members here with us today, Miss Stephanie, now Singleton, she just recently was married, was a Razo, is here with us today, and she is a powerhouse of knowledge coming to Weefa with spending seven years professionally as a CNN producer. She's now in the fitness industry. She has decided, um, she decided to leave her fast-paced newsroom environment specifically for wellness and has an amazing practice called Prana Wellness. She has her RYT 300 as a certified yoga therapist. She's also certified in prenatal and post- postpartum yoga. And um, she helps so many corporate, specifically individuals, work through, I would say, I mean, stress management, how to handle a busy, fast-paced life. And she has so many tools in her toolbox to do that. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Yeah. So we typically start off with your WIFA story, how you found WIFA, what's your WIFA uh, pathway. So share with the audience, uh, where did you, how'd you find WIFA and what's your WIFA story? Sure. So the back back story is that I did an accelerator program called Grid 110 and one of the, my fellow alum, Amira, is also on the board of WIFA. Um, she's a fellow Grid 110 alum for her company Strux Club um, and she posted it on LinkedIn that there was a you know board positions open. So I became a member of WIFA because I loved what WIFA was doing for women in the industry and really specifically because of the way they advocate for women's uh, pay equity, because that's something I've always been passionate about as an instructor since I started. I mean, I started kind of in my own business and fitness, but as I started to teach on the side for different um, studios for my apartment complex, I was like, wow, (laughs) fitness instructors do a lot and don't get paid enough for it. So That was a huge reason why I joined WIFA in the first place. And then I became a board member because I wanted to be a part of that change. And I also think that women helping women is just some kind of cool superpower. So I really love women helping women. I think that lots of times, especially in the fitness industry, there's stereotypes that women are catty and women, you know, are competitive against each other. But 
I don't see a reason why you can't help out another woman come up, even if they're in the same industry. I mean, I give advice and actually do professional coaching for people who are competitor adjacent to my business. Um, and I don't see a problem with it because, you know, they're not going to take business from me and I'm not going to take business from them. There's enough, you know, so I think that we should be more uh, on that wavelength, I guess you could say. The spirit of abundance versus scarcity. And that's exactly. what you're on the board and you're so closely aligned with us is because you, you get that on a cellular level. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I was gonna jump in on the whole scarcity thing, like the the myth of of scarcity when it comes to com competing in business. Yeah. When you know, like from from a fitness standpoint, whether you're whether you're an operator or an instructor or a personal trainer, like there's never a hundred percent saturation of any given market of of being able to you know service all of the clients or even target all of the potential customers. And, and yet we, we waste our time and energy kind of squabbling over the bits, which is, which is just the wrong way to do it. And I, I, I totally, I totally um, can connect with what you were saying about, you know, women working with women, women and it being at, like the perception is, or maybe even the story that we tell ourselves is that it can be catty and backstabbing, but like, that's the story. But if I really explore the reality that's not what i experience so i think i think there's a lot of myth busting that we can that we can do to to make sure that more of us are connecting yeah absolutely it's so important i think in this industry and it honestly i think it helps everyone's professional growth like when you're helping someone else it helps your personal growth i mean i stepped into coaching because i was helping other women and that made me feel great and it helped them you know, expand their business. And I don't have any regrets over that at all. There's, there's no scarcity to me because I mean, it's impossible. There's, it's a huge world. You can target so many different markets. I mean, it's almost impossible to have scarcity in the fitness world. What's crazy to me is that like, when I hear you talk, I could just close my eyes and listen to you speak. Your voice is so <laughs> amazing. And you were on the, you were on the producing side of, of, uh, of television and not, not like the, the, the talent or the, or the voice that you, you can have a, <laughs> you can have a third career string, I think. Um, <laughs> but I want to, I want to, rewind a little bit and uh find out about uh, a little bit about your early childhood like who you were as a as a kid your early memories and and how uh, young stephanie is still represented in stephanie today sure um i would say as a child i have always been a free spirit which is obviously very true now i've always kind of moved to the beat of my own drum um i was not at all a rule follower in school or with parents you know, my mom would say differently, but <laughs> she'd say she was an angel, but I kind of did what I, what I wanted to do. Um, I guess I didn't realize actually that I had the entrepreneurial spirit as a child. I did not realize that until like kind of recently. Um, I had Stephanie's Yummy Bakery and I used my Easy Bake Oven, which I'm sure most women had when we were younger. Um, and I would do those little circle cakes and cookies from the Easy Bake Oven, and I would sell them at my bakery. Um, so I guess that was my first entrepreneurial step. And then I inherited the rebel spirit of my dad, um, call it soul rebel. I just um, kind of did what I wanted to do. And I went against the grain always, which is 
True to form. Currently, I was always a talker. I've been talking since I was, I think I talked early. My mom told me nine months. I was just, she called me Chatty Kathy, and that became my nickname. And I, I believe there was a doll called Chatty Kathy as well. And my mom bought me that doll. <laughs> yeah, so I I think I'm the same as I was when I was younger. Uh, even socially with my friends, I was always the person my friends would say, hey, what's going on this weekend or what are we doing? And they would always look to me with a plan because I always had something cool to do or mischievous. <laughs> That's so magical. I can imagine, um, you know, three, four, five-year-old Stephanie um, just, you know, bobbing around. It's so, I, I love getting the image of what that age looks like for you. And I'm curious, specifically in your first job or in your role today, did you see any transition there? What was your first job? Yeah, so my first two jobs, I guess you could say, because they were around the same time, they were not great. Um, You know, they were typical first jobs, 15, 16 years old. One of them, I worked for a private tutoring company, and I tutored young children in English and Spanish. And I didn't like it. I tested my patience and it actually was like, I don't want kids anymore because I had to deal with these kids that were not the best. Um, And then my boss, I was only 15, you know, I was 15 and I hadn't worked before. And my boss, I felt like was demanding way too much out of a 15 year old. So that and then so it taught me kind of grit, I guess. And it taught me patience for sure, dealing with the children. Um, The other job was I thought I was volunteering to play with old folks. That was my idea because as a teenager, I played bingo with old folks on a volunteer basis at a retired home. And so I said, oh, I'd love to work here as my first job. And so I thought they were gonna give me the playing bingo job. And they gave me the waitress job in the restaurant at the assisted living home. And it was awful. And I was carrying really heavy trays all day. My, I developed like back issues. And it was just nonstop carrying heavy stuff and listening to old men tell me that I should get married at 16. So, yeah, I think it taught me patience. It taught me restraint for sure (laughs) to bite my tongue when, you know, it's not worth it. And patience was the biggest lesson for sure. Um, And it taught me, you know, to speak up for myself if it was something that I didn't want to do, which both of those kind of war. I just spoke <laughs> up about it. <laughs> and I ended up leaving the, the restaurant job pretty quickly because I was like, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't fun for me. I thought I was doing something else and I left. So I think, I mean, sometimes we've got to, the first step is knowing what we don't want on the path of to finding what we do. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the, and I, I've never spoken to anyone. I don't, I don't know about you, Lindsay, but I've never spoken to anyone who's said my first job I loved it. It, It's always (laughs) that sobering experience of, oh, wow, I better get my stuff figured out so I don't stay here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's learning what you don't want to do was actually a great skill to learn early on. It was like, okay, gross, don't want to do this. And I guess looking back on it now, it helps me with that transition from CNN. I mean, there was a point where I loved CNN and loved producing, and that's what I wanted to do. But then when the point came when I didn't love it anymore, I I knew it clearly and it hit me like a ton of bricks, literally. And I was just like, you know what? It's not for me anymore. I need to go. 
And I was super clear on that decision. Um, so I guess that helps me to just have more clarity in that moment. It, it's, it's so powerful and it's, it's so brave. Like we're just constantly evolving. So what was okay, you know, two years ago might not be now or three years or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, moving from the, from the jobs that, you know, that, or that you knew that you didn't want, what about, uh, one, two or three career highlights for you to, Um, to present day? Yeah. So I guess my transition, um, with CNN when I was still there, my transition to LA was pretty awesome, even though I consider that my past life career. Um, it was just a major accomplishment in my career. I was the youngest one across CNN nationally in my um, position as an editorial producer. And I got moved from Atlanta to LA office to start a new show, to launch a new show with a small team. So I had more responsibilities and it was just cool to be a part of something new like that. So that was kind of a highlight. And like I said, I loved it for a long time until I did it. Um, and then when I did it, my highlight was taking that leap to go to India. I, I literally left for India three days after I left CNN. <laughs> three days. Very Stephanie of me. Everyone was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to India. Bye. And I stayed for five weeks. And they're like, India? Like, everyone was just so baffled by that decision. But it was a typical Stephanie move. Um, and I don't regret it at all. I think India was definitely part of my career highlights because it brought me into what I'm doing now. It brought me into entrepreneurship. I just, it it awakened me in ways that I didn't expect it to. It sounds very cliche, but it really did. And I expected it to just be a learning experience. I expected it to be a personal journey. And it was so much more than that. As like two weeks in out of the five weeks I was there, I decided no more corporate. Um, I'm going to focus on wellness full time. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And it was kind of like, whoa, I said that. (laughs) It was like a, a very aha moment of I realized what I wanted to do. And a lot of meditating in India that happened. <laughs> a lot of meditating that brought me to that point. So that was definitely a career highlight. And then just the highlight of being able to adapt to different environments, not only in COVID era, but before that, I kind of am proud that I taught myself how to do things that I had no idea how to do because I've been a solopreneur for almost all of the span of frontal wellness. Um, I've had independent contractors work as coaches, but it's time for some admin help. Um, but I learned so much. I learned marketing. I learned sales. I learned especially graphic design and I taught myself. So it's not at all something I thought I was going to do, but it ended up being something cool. And I appreciate knowing those skills. Do I want to do them full-time? No, but at least I know them now. So (laughs) if I need to in a crunch, yes, I can make a really cool flyer and I can like update my website myself and things like that. So that was really proud moment for me. That's a really big deal, those skills. And it's the, the, the point in there that I heard that I want to reinforce is that you oftentimes think about working your business as doing delivering your product or service. And there's not a ton of talk about what it takes to work the business from the IT standpoint and the marketing yeah. standpoint and business development and everything it takes that you get to learn 
I remember going for a walk with one of my friends um, shortly after launching my consulting business. And I said, I'm really good at my job. I'm really bad at like doing all this other stuff that it takes to do my job. I'm yeah. learning all that <laughs> everything every day, all day long. Yeah. Um, being able, then you get to pass it off to an employee eventually. And you're like, oh, I can do this in my sleep. I trained myself to, but yeah, you transitioned out of CNN into kind of making your, your, your side hustle, your full-time gig. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about like, whether it was spiritual or emotional, physical, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was um, a lot of growing pains, a lot of growing pains and a lot of accepting of reality. Um, Cause like I said, I did not see myself as an entrepreneur and maybe that was just, you know, self-limiting belief as they say, but I was just like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I, I'm not that type of person. That's what I used to say, but it's not, I don't know. In my head, it was not like, oh, I can't do it. I just didn't want to, you know, in my head, but looking back on it, I'm like, maybe I just thought I couldn't do it. Um, but while I was at CNN, I created Travel Slay Fitness, which was my first business name. It took me a long time to let that name go, like a long time, because it was my first baby. <laughs> and I started doing corporate wellness, and it was still called actually Travel Slay Fitness, which makes no sense at all for corporate wellness at all. But I didn't care. It was just a cool name. And I was like, I'm Travel Slay. And I had these hoodies. And I was so attached to it. So I was finally convinced by another coach to let it go. And I did, and it became Prana Wellness. But while I was at CNN, I started Travel Slay because I had a passion for fitness and traveling. And I thought, how can I merge the two and make money off of it? Um, As I traveled like kind of insanely before Corona happened. Um, And so I, I wanted to create fitness adventures for people traveling. So I started hosting retreats first locally, and then I hosted in Panama. And it was super cool. And my plan was to keep doing that. Obviously, we had some hiccups in between there. But um, when I was at CNN, I started small, very small with hosting weekly and then biweekly boot camps um, in LA. And I would host them outside just at parks. And it was mostly women focused. And then I opened it to co-ed. Um, and then people started asking for them, like, when is your next class? When's your next boot camp? And I was like, oh, this is really fun. And I would get more of a crowd. And I just, it clicked that I could make what I truly enjoy. I could make money off of it. And I had fun doing it. And when I started having so much fun doing it, I was like, hmm, let's do this. And then I would like sit at, at work and I would work on my website at work. I would work on writing my blog. I would like post my event bread and sell tickets at work. And then I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> so it was just kind of a gradual realization that, that, you know, that phase of my life was over when I started doing work, work at work. <laughs> and, and sometimes yeah, I mean, th- those are the those are the pokes that you need to to just be like, okay, it's uh, yeah. it's time for change. Yeah, yeah, I felt that for sure. I was just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally can uh, I totally can connect with you on that. I was I was also in a in a phase of needed change, and there were like all of these knocks on my door, going, okay, go go go, and eventually you listen. You know, as, as you get older, sometimes you get quicker at it and sometimes not, but you'll eventually listen one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. 
so now it's not travel slay anymore. Do you still have the hoodie? Oh yeah, I wear it every time I travel. <laughs> and I still sell them because they're pretty cool hoodies. It's just my I made a slogan, travel does a body good. And they're crop top hoodies and they're super cute. So I still sell them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still sad. And my website is still up because it was such a cool website for travel slate. It's still linked on Prana Wellness just because because one day maybe I'll decide to like have two umbrellas and do the fitness and travel on one side and then we'll see I just wanted to leave it open because I was so attached to it yeah, but maybe maybe that's a message too if you weren't ready to let it go maybe it's not ready to leave you just just yet yeah but yeah. You, you did you did eventually you did pivot from from travel slay to to prana wellness so um can you maybe talk a little bit about what Prana Wellness does and um, working with corporate uh, clients? Sure. Like, what, what advice would you give corporate clients? Sure. So Prana Wellness uh, if, at first was aimed at helping businesses bring more wellness to the workplace. And we wanted to bring wellness to the workplace specifically through yoga, breathwork, and meditation um, because those are grounding practices. And I thought that through my corporate experience, I needed more of that, you know, in my life during that crazy chaotic time. And I think I wanted to push employers, specifically managers, to advocate for their employees' wellness and health and advocate, say, like, hey, yes, you should take an hour to meditate and do yoga on your lunch. You know, um, I'll give you this time back and you should do this. Um, so that was my goal at first, to advocate for employers to do that. Um, and I think it's really important in the corporate space because you take your work home, whether you want to or not, you take those whatever happened to you during the day at work, you take it home. So it was a way to decompress and to keep employees well. And it also over time lowers overall healthcare costs. So that was kind of the benefits we were advocating for. You know, it increases productivity in the workplace, increases retention for employers. And then it, you know, overall brings down healthcare costs, which are exorbitant in the U.S., especially, I mean, stress-related illnesses cost the U.S. $3 billion in healthcare every year, $3 billion in healthcare. I mean, and I'm sure employers are sick of paying out-of-pocket healthcare costs, so it's um, a win-win, I think, to have wellness in the workplace for employees and for employers. And then I got trained as a yoga therapist and I'm still on that journey actually it's four-year process I'm at the end of level two which is the advanced level and honestly no one has a clue what yoga therapy is but I am changing that <laughs> step by step I am um, working on that arm of my business right now developing that because it all falls under prana wellness so as prana wellness evolves I want it to be a wellness studio for corporate wellness but also for individual wellness that you can take into work and say hey I'm already doing these practices let's do it here you know um, so through that birth kind of the maternal health arm of prana wellness which is pre and postnatal yoga and then yoga therapy which is healing of specific mental and physical ailments through yoga practices so yoga therapy is not like a traditional yoga class it's like a yoga prescription it blends Eastern and Western medicine, like very integrative medical practices uh, with yoga to heal 
mental and physical ailments. So I deal with chronic pain, anxiety, depression, um, you know, hip issues, back issues, things like that, that are like specific things. If someone was in a car accident, like they would go to a physical therapist, they would work hand in hand with the yoga therapist to heal a specific ailment. And it just, it fascinated me because you learn how people can heal their own bodies and also how you can listen better to your own body. You know, before it comes to surgery, before it comes to something more grave, you can practice yoga <laughs> and, and heal it. And I've, I've seen the effects of it. So my goal currently is to expand the knowledge and close the education gap with yoga therapy because no one knows what it is. <laughs> what a power. Oh, sorry, Jen. I'm just no, like, like I, I mean, it's, it's just like, uh, no, it, <laughs> it totally makes, it totally makes sense though, because of uh, like, I've, I've done a lot of reading about how, how we trap uh, trauma in the body and how you need to use physical practices to release those emotional, um, bubbles even. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, like, is this something that, that yoga therapy goes into a little bit, like the big T and little T physical trauma? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of my patients, my clients um, experience trauma, whether it was sexual trauma or a trauma related to military, um, any kind of trauma, it lives in their body. I had a patient um, with severe fibromyalgia pain and most of it, like 90% of it, was relieved when we relieved her mental stress and unpacked her trauma. Um, we just started meditating and journaling and breathing. So simple, like very simple things that no doctor is going to tell you. I want you to journal twice a day and meditate twice a day. No one's going to tell you that. And her breakthrough was just so quick. And she was just like, you know, the pain in my body is like rapidly dissipating. And it's, mental so there's so many mental blocks that people don't realize they have in their body that can relieve some of the physical pain if they just unpack trauma and deal with the mental pain then physically you start to soften so wow this is fascinating i feel amongst friends about <laughs> i read the book by louise hayes you can heal your life and just the I treated it as an encyclopedia for like looking up ailments and then looking at the affirmations that can counter. Um, I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's such a, have what you is it called again? The Louise Hay. And then you can heal your life. You can heal your life. Okay. I'll read that. It's like, a um, the best way I could describe it is like an encyclopedia of ailments and then affirmations as anecdotes. Mm. So for me, you know, I had some big trauma therapies that I overcame in my twenties that mm -hmm. related to um, addiction. And I was able to create a lot of affirmations as anecdotes and it was incredibly therapeutic and healing. And so I feel so right now talking through this because I think it's an, it's a topic to normalize. It's a topic to connect to both. And I think our world in general right now has such a strong opportunity for healing around the trauma related to COVID, whether you got it or yeah. not, the way the world has been for the last 14 months has yeah. been so counter to how it was before. There's mine, there's micro traumas that happen every day for each of us that I think things like yoga wellness can completely unwind. Yeah, um, for sure. In my opinion, you know, all of my opinion, not rooted in like studies or anything like that, just a little IMO over here. 
Yeah, uh, that's true. It's very true. And people sometimes with yoga therapy, people think it's a lot of like hippie magic or whatever. And they're like, oh, sure, you know, like meditate and everything is fine. That's not it. It's like when we go through sessions with uh, yoga therapy clients, we really look at the whole self. So we ask like deeply personal questions, but also about medical history and about trauma, about personal emotional health, your daily routine. So it's really about um, holistic integrative health rather than just saying my back hurts okay bend over and do a forward fold I'm no because your back pain can be caused by like 20 different things it can be caused by so many different things so I'm not going to prescribe a forward fold just because your back hurts I'm going to say okay what did you eat today and when was the last time you meditated and what happened in your childhood that maybe you haven't dealt with you know things like that that will unpack that trauma and figure out where the pain is actually coming from because it could be mental and it could be just someone rear-ended you the other day but you have to like kind of see the whole picture mm-hmm. absolutely well i mean you from a place of motivation and wellness you do so much inspiration for others i'm curious what is the how does that integrate into your own life and do you have any upcoming adventures on the horizon that you could share with us yeah I've always got adventures (laughs) well for my honeymoon I just got back from the Maldives and Colombia in April uh and everyone was like you all are going like to totally different parts of the world for (laughs) and we did we did a four-day hike in Colombia to find the lost city and we found it after 1200 stairs and 12 mile hike and that's just one day the four days that was that was just one of the four days. Um, so that was that was cool. That was a pretty awesome adventure. Um, coming up, we are going to, um, what is the one? Zion National Park in Utah. Um, so we're going to do that for Memorial Day. And then we're going to Atlanta because I'm expecting my nephew, my first nephew. So we're going to Atlanta soon. Um, there's so many adventures. And we're going to Yuma, Arizona. One of our friends is being promoted in the military. So random in the middle of Yuma, Arizona. But there's always an adventure happening. I mean, I'm, I realized during my honeymoon that I have the gift of being fearless. Maybe that sounds weird, but I realized that it is a gift and I'm really appreciative of it because I see how so many people live in fear and within COVID especially, I mean, it's just so apparent people's anxieties and fears to do things. But also before COVID, some people are just generally fearful of like life and doing things outside the box and taking risks. And I am so grateful that I never really had that fear. I've all, I was always like, the eh, let's just do it type of person. So I think you know, some people might feel a way about that and feel apprehensive, but you know, we're all going to die one day. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like you shouldn't hold back on the things that you want to do. So especially with like my honeymoon during a pandemic, I mean, we got like seven COVID tests. We were very safe. We picked countries that had like extreme protocols. I mean, honestly, I felt safer traveling than I do here in San Diego. (laughs) And, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it was paralyzing to so many people because so many people commented and said, oh, you're crazy. Oh, you're traveling during a pandemic. Oh, my goodness. It's so much. It's so hard. And you all are crazy. And we weren't crazy. We just had a lot of fun and we were fine. We didn't get COVID. We tested like seven times and 
that's it. It's just life. I think life is more simple than people make it. I don't, I don't know. I'm very appreciative for that gene of fearlessness. Like, do you, do you avoid overthinking things? Do you think that that is, is part um, of it? Well, I'd say I have both genes because I think I'm very fearless and I'm definitely a risk taker, but I am also an overthinker, but I'm an overthinker about very small things like what I'm going to eat for dinner and how long it's going to take me to make my juice. Hmm. Like <laughs> I overthink. So you do, you do sweat the small stuff. It's just the yeah, big stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like if it's, if someone's like, oh, Stephanie, let's go scale the walls of the Grand Canyon like in an hour I'm like cool let's go I'm packed already that's the type of person that I am but if someone's like what do you want to eat for dinner I'm like well I don't want to eat after eight and if I cook this then I'm gonna eat after eight and if I cook this other thing then I'll eat earlier so that's the kind of stuff I do so yeah I definitely have both that's that's the truth for sure and I'm I'm working through that every day I think meditation helps with that to not overthink things um there's a lot of wellness practices breathing and sometimes just doing it sometimes just going with like what whatever the first thing that comes to mind is and just doing that one thing instead of ruminating about it for an hour because then it's too late and you waited because you ruminated and then you're eating after eight anyway (laughs) you just defeated yourself in the in the process story of my life (laughs) when I hear you talk about yoga and meditation and breath like it that directly prompts me to breathe Uh it it's like um when someone talks about drinking water and I'm like oh it's it's time for my water but I I think I think it's it's so important that we talk more about it because even even in that even in a second you're like oh I'm just taking a breath I, I did just one, so uh, <laughs> might have been my meditation for the day. <laughs> yeah, something as simple as breath like can change the pace of your day because so many people, and they could be perfectly healthy, but so many people forget to breathe throughout the day or they're not conscious of how they're breathing. I think that breathing, one, it should always be in through your nose and out through your nose unless you're doing a cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, which is a different story, but in and out through your nose calms your nervous system and allows your nervous system to replenish, which increases your immunity. And when you allow your nervous system to replenish, then you're less stressed, you're more healthy, and you have more moments of like um, active rest. So if I'm sitting here and I'm typing on the computer and I'm breathing properly, then this is active rest because I'm still doing stuff, but my nervous system is resting. If you're constantly on 10 and don't breathe, then your nervous system is doing something like this and winding and winding and winding and winding. And then it never has time to replenish and take care of your organs. So you're basically a ball of physical stress. (laughs) So most people are not breathing correctly and it just takes seconds to just adjust your breath, breathe in and out through your nose and then start to extend the exhale a little bit longer than the inhale. You always want to give back more than you take, just like in life, give back more than you take from the earth, right? So inhale for two, exhale for four. Inhale three, Exhale, six. Then you feel great and magical. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it, do, it does feel better directly. Is it, is it time for the lightning round, Liz? Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> the lightning round. You can start. Okay, well, so the lightning round is we just ask a bunch of uh, rapid fire questions and uh, you answer them. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to ask, you already teed me up. What's for dinner? <laughs> um, okay. Currently in my fridge, I have frozen salmon and I have some frozen vegetables. However, I don't want to unbow it. So I'm probably going to get Chinese for dinner. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> okay, next answer. Next answer. <laughs> Is there anything that you are currently binge watching? Are you a shows or movie person? Oh, yeah. I have a super guilty pleasure that is kind of embarrassing, and my husband hates it. Um, 90 Day Fiance. I'm obsessed with it, and my husband cannot stand it. And every time I watch it, he's, like, just rolling his eyes. But there's, like, five or six different spinoff versions of 90 Day Fiance, and I watch all of them, like, pretty religiously. Love it. Love it. Okay, if you had to give up one what would it be, sweet or salty? I'm a sweet and salty person. I mm. would probably give up sweets, but really holding on to it tight. Because <laughs> I'm a sweet and salty person. I get those cravings, but I think maybe salty, savory wins. Mm. There's always there's always like a one or two percentile tipping point, I think. Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite go-to beauty item right now or thing? Hmm. Um, I have this turmeric soap. It's a bar of soap and it's by the Melanated Bar. And I love it. And it lasts so long. So I bought three of them thinking like it's just a bar of soap. It's not going to last that long. But it lasts a super long time and it's super clutch because it keeps me glowing. Shout out to the native bar. Let's <laughs> do one more. Jen, what you got? I wasn't expecting to do one more. <laughs> where where is your next trip? Um, the next big trip is probably well, the next mini trip is the one to Zion National Park in Utah. The next big trip, uh, hopefully to Bali because we were actually supposed to go to Bali for our honeymoon and we chose Colombia instead because Bali had so many restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we had, we had everything planned. We booked three different places and villas and we had booked all our stuff and we just, luckily it was all refundable, but we canceled it all because um, they had so many restrictions. So we were like, we want to enjoy the full experience. So hopefully Bali next that's, year. That's lovely to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up this interview, tell everyone listening, how can they find you? How can they find Prana Wellness and stay in touch? Sure. It's Stephanie at PranaWellnessWorks.com, works with an S. And then the website is PranaWellnessWorks.com. And Instagram is the same at PranaWellnessWorks with an S. Wonderful. Hit me up. Well, thank you for being on Weefa Waves. Thank you both for having me. Yes, and until next time, we will see everyone later. Namaste. Weefa Waves is brought to you by, actually, this is an opportunity. Right now, Weefa Waves is offering commercial spots to your organization. 
Contact us at askwefa at womeninfitness.org and let's share your platform with our audience.